Today is the second Sunday of the season of Easter, a day that's been known as Divine Mercy Sunday since the year 2000. That's when Pope John Paul II officially put the feast on the Church's liturgical calendar. It had been celebrated prior to that, but officially it went on the calendar in the year 2000. Most of us, I'm sure, are familiar with the Divine Mercy devotion and its origin, but for the few who might not be, back in 1931, a young Polish nun, Sister Faustina Kowalska, saw a vision of Jesus with two rays of light emanating from his heart. And Jesus told her to have a painting produced depicting the vision and to have it signed, Jesus I trust in you. This, of course, is a replica of that image. Normally we have it near our tabernacle, but because today is the feast day, I brought it here near the pulpit. Over the next seven years, the Lord gave Sister Faustina a number of private revelations concerning his merciful love, and these she wrote down in a diary, as Jesus instructed her to do. Father George Kosicki, who passed away recently, who was an authority during his life on the Divine Mercy devotion, once said that through these revelations, and here I quote, Jesus taught the young nun that his mercy is unlimited and available even to the greatest sinners. He revealed special ways for people to respond to his mercy in their lives, and he gave her several promises for those who would trust his mercy and show mercy to others. Then on April the 30th in the year 2000, Sister Faustina became Saint Faustina when she was canonized in St. Peter's Square by Pope John Paul II. Looking back on it now, it was one saint canonizing another saint. Very appropriate. On that note, during the past week, I read a couple of articles online concerning the two miracles that led to Faustina being recognized as a saint. Remember, strictly speaking, the Church does not make saints. Sometimes you hear that expression used, but strictly speaking, the Church doesn't make saints. Jesus is the one who makes a person a saint. What the Church does is officially recognize the fact that that's already happened. And as evidence that a certain person is actually there in the Kingdom of Heaven, the Church requires that two miracles be attributed to that person's heavenly intercession. There are some Christians who don't believe that the saints intercede for us in God's eternal Kingdom. Well, those people need to crack open their Bibles and go to the last book of Scripture, the book of Revelation, and they need to read chapters 5, 6, and 8. Because in those chapters we see angels and martyrs and men called elders, in other words, we see angels and saints interceding for God's people here on earth, which is precisely what the Catholic Church teaches that they do. And by the way, the Church is very tough about what she will accept as an official miracle. For a miracle to be officially recognized by the Church, it has to be verified 
by a number of doctors, and they all have to agree that there is no possible natural explanation for what's happened. For example, in Lourdes, where the Blessed Mother has appeared, or did appear, to St. Bernadette back in 1858, in Lourdes, there have been, over the years, about 7,000 cases of unexplained cures. But only 69 of them have qualified as miracles. Only 69 have been declared officially as miraculous by the Church. That's how strict she is. In the case of Faustina, the first accepted miracle involved a woman from Massachusetts named Maureen Digan. The second involved a priest from Baltimore named Father Ron Pytel. Here's how the miracles were described on the Divine Mercy website. Before the age of 15, Maureen Digan enjoyed a normal, healthy life. Then she was struck down with a very serious, slowly progressive, but terminal disease called lymphedema. This is a disease that does not respond to medication and does not go into remission. Within the next 10 years, Maureen had 50 operations and had lengthy confinements in the hospital of up to a year at a time. Friends and relations suggested she should pray and put her trust in God. But Maureen could not understand why God had allowed her to get this disease in the first place, and she had lost her faith completely. Eventually, her deteriorating condition would require the amputation of one leg. One evening, while Maureen was in the hospital, her husband Bob watched a film on Divine Mercy, and there he became convinced of the healing powers of, inter of intercession by Saint or Sister Faustina. Bob persuaded Maureen and the doctors that she should go to the tomb of Sister Faustina in Poland. So together with her husband, son, and Father Seraphim Michalenko, they traveled to Saint Faustina's tomb at the Shrine of the Divine Mercy outside Krakow, Poland. They arrived in Poland on March 23, 1981, and Maureen went to confession for the first time since she was a young girl. At the tomb, Maureen remembers saying, Okay, Faustina, I came a long way. Now do something. Innerly, she heard Sister Faustina say, If you ask for my help, I will give it to you. Suddenly, she thought she was losing her mind. All the pain seemed to drain out of her body, and her swollen leg, which was due to be amputated shortly, went back to its normal size. When she returned to the United States, she was examined by five independent doctors who came to the conclusion that she was completely healed. They had no medical explanation for the sudden healing of this incurable disease. And regarding the second miracle, on October the 5th, 1995, the feast day of St. Faustina, who was then Blessed Faustina, Father Ron Pytel and some friends gathered for prayer at Holy Rosary Church, which is also the Baltimore Archdiocesan Shrine of the Divine Mercy. After a time of prayer for the healing of his severely damaged heart through Sister Faustina's intercession, Father Ron venerated a relic of St. Faustina and collapsed. He felt paralyzed, but was completely at peace. A subsequent visit to his cardiologist showed that his heart had been healed. 
Although he was healed through St. Faustina's intercession, Father Ron is quick to point out that Jesus healed him. I know in my heart that Faustina put in a word with Jesus, and his heart touched mine. It's as simple as that, he explained. After almost three years of examining Father Ron and his medical records, doctors and theologians from the Congregation for the Cause of Saints concluded an exhaustive investigation of the healing, and on December 20, 1999, Pope John Paul II ordered publication of the fact of the healing as a miracle through Sister Faustina's intercession, leading to her canonization on Mercy Sunday, April 30, 2000, in St. Peter's Square. So today, my brothers and sisters, is a day to ask St. Faustina to pray in a special way for us, for the needs of the Church, for the needs of the world, and, of course, for our own personal needs, because miracles do happen. And yet today, we need to remember something. We need to remember that the greatest miracles of all are not the kind that led to the canonization of Faustina, as important as those miracles were, as spectacular as those miracles were. The greatest miracles of all are the ones to which Jesus points us in that Gospel text we just heard from John chapter 20. The story there begins on Easter Sunday in the upper room. Jesus walks through the wall, literally walks through the wall, and he appears to his apostles for the very first time after he's been raised from the dead. And what's the first thing he does? What's the very first thing he does for them after his resurrection? He gives them power. He gives them the power to work miracles. He gives them the power to work the greatest and most important miracles of all. He says, receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, whose sins you retain are retained. That's why we have a sacrament called the Sacrament of Penance, also known as the Sacrament of Reconciliation or the Sacrament of Confession. We have it because of this moment. It was Jesus's idea, and it was his idea right after he rose from the dead on Easter Sunday. As the scriptures remind us, only God can forgive sins. But God gave the power to human beings, specifically to his priests, to be his instruments in bringing his forgiveness to his people whenever they sin after baptism. And that really shouldn't surprise us that he's empowered priests in this way, because baptism is the first sacrament we receive that brings forgiveness to us. We hear that in Acts 2 and Acts 22. And we're always baptized by somebody else. We're always baptized by another person. Another person whom God uses at that moment instrumentally to take our sins away. So if I ask you this morning, what was the greatest, what was the most important miracle that Maureen Dygan experienced when she went to Poland back in 1981? I hope you would not say the greatest miracle, the most important miracle she experienced was her healing from her physical illness. hope you wouldn't say that because you'd be wrong. The greatest and most important miracle that woman experienced 
there in Poland was when she went to confession for the first time since she was a young girl and had all her sins, her many sins, taken away. That's because sooner or later, Maureen Digan's body will break down and will die. Not of the disease she was cured of, but certainly of something else, or maybe just old age. But the sanctifying grace she received into her soul when the priest absolved her in the confessional in Poland that day, that can last forever. So the bottom line is, and I'll close with this thought this morning, not everyone will experience a divine mercy miracle in their life of the type that Maureen Digan and Ron Pytel experienced in their lives. I wish I could tell you everyone will, but that wouldn't be true. However, everyone, without exception, can experience the most important divine mercy miracle of all, namely forgiveness. And it's great that everyone, without exception, can experience the miracle of forgiveness because everyone, without exception, needs to.